Welcome to Pretty Please Paris, your passport to French beauty and wellness. I'm Tioka, and I'll be the host today. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Andy. So today we have our usual segment, What Are We Drinking Today? And then our main segment on flaws. What flaws? Have the French found a way to flaunt their flaws? And then we'll end up with Bizu Bizu, our special segment on Paris tips and recommendations. So, Elizabeth, what are you drinking today? Well, today is a little bit chilly here in Paris, so I'm having some warm chicory with milk. This is a drink I discovered when I moved to France. It's sort of a plant-based coffee substitute without caffeine. It has kind of like a nutty flavor. So it's uh, it's very tasty and sort of warming and cozy. I love yeah, chicory. I've got a couple of uh, French colleagues who like chicory. They've asked me about it. I'm like, oh, I've never tried it. But um, what it is chicory? Food. I mean, like, is it that a plant? So I looked this up <laughs> before ah. our recording, <laughs> and it's a plant that's in like the dandelion family. Oh. And a lot yeah, of French funny. people have it for breakfast. For breakfast, right? And I think it's even maybe it's mm-hmm. big in New Orleans also. Yeah, I think it's oh, something I don't know, like maybe. You said New Orleans. Yeah. Oh. I um I remember when I was first here thirty years ago, it was something that seemed to be popular with like grandmothers. So I wonder if it wasn't something that was used. I'm making this up. <laughs> if it wasn't a substitute um, during the war when they couldn't have coffee, I don't know. Just guessing. That it was would cheaper make total than sense. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think I I've heard surprised. that story too. Mm. Okay, so there might be some kernel of truth in it. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, what are you drinking I'm drinking um, something pretty French, an espresso. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have a little French press, uh, which is one of those glass, you know, like it almost looks like a little rocket ship. Um, and it has a plunger. So you put the coffee uh, to the, a little, there's like a little mark the level you put the coffee and you put hot water and you let it steep. And then after about a minute or so, I put a, there's a, like a plunger that you put on top of it. I sort of like the whole gadgetness of the, this coffee um, way of making coffee and you just press it down very, very, very slowly. I'm sure most people have seen them now, by now, but um, yeah, I, I like it. And I, I'm just enjoying a little warm cup of espresso. <laughs> interesting. I confess I am awful about making coffee. I have no idea how to make coffee. I make espresso just for uh, tiramisu, but other than that, I I know nothing. So the French press has always mystified me. I I think it's pretty easy. Like I I, um, I know there's a million ways to make coffee, but I'm really tired of the taste of some other I guess we shouldn't say brands, but, <laughs> but you know, I, it's just either I'll go to the cafe and get a nice cup of coffee, or, um, I think this is a good, just a good home solution without too much fuss. And it's also, um, fun <laughs> to press a plunger. <laughs> just a random side note on, on coffee grounds. Um, I remember when I was doing my training to be a yoga teacher, there was a French girl who would always go to the kitchen after we were done with our breakfast and she would walk away with the coffee grinds. I'm like, what the hell is she doing? And she would actually make a really nice um, kind of Ayurvedic scrub with them. She would mix the coffee grinds with um, coconut oil, sesame oil, whatever kind of oil of your choice. And it gives you an 
amazing sort of natural scrub. Interesting. Yeah. That makes sense because this is the coffee it I does. bought. Yeah, it's really fine. I can see it. Like I can put it right down in my drain because it's not, you know, it's not very granular. It's it's pretty, it's like soft, like, um, you know, fine sand. It's really nice. It's eco equitable. Um, I don't know how to say that in English, but fair trade, know, fair trade. Thank you. <laughs> um, and it's pretty good. It's Malongo. Um, mm. I like it. There you go. Well, um, because I have this, this lack of skills with coffee. Um, and as you said, Elizabeth, it's a little bit chilly today. I am drinking green matcha tea. Um, I, Love green tea, uh, but sometimes I want something a little bit kind of warmer, cozier. And game matcha is just simply the rice um, grains are sort of, it's like um, almost rice krispies for those of mm-hmm. us that grew up in the U.S., but it's souffle <laughs> for the French. Um, and so it's just grilled rice that's mixed in with the green tea. And in Japan, it's a way that um, when you don't have a lot of money, you can sort of extend your green tea, make it last a little bit longer by putting in these little um, sort of uh, grilled rice rice legs. And it also is kind of tasty, so it sort of fills you up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like poor people's green tea, but I find it super cozy and, and Question. Refreshing. I have a question. Yeah. So I had, uh, so I like Emesha too. I have some, and mm-hmm. I talked to my uh, hairdresser, you know, my favorite hairdresser, <laughs> and and she said she yeah. only likes Emesha when it's loose uh, tea. And I, I, found, I was so happy mm. to find them in a tea bag. So oh. what do you prefer? I have actually never had it in a tea bag, so Me I that um, I always get it loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did. I didn't even know they. Well, of course, I guess it makes sense. Well, anyway. Um, so thank you, ladies, for sharing what you're drinking today. Um, but perhaps now we can move on to our main segment. Get into the dirt. We're going to be talking about flaws today. Uh, do you have them? Do you hide them? And have the French found a way to flaunt their flaws? Hmm. I guess the reason why I wanted to um, bring this up today is because when I moved to France um, and I went shopping for lingerie for the first time, um, coming from a sort of uh, Victoria's Secret, Wonder Under uh, US culture, I was a little shocked to find uh, these stores where there there weren't even any bra cup sizes because the the bras were so they were designed for such small chested women and i was like okay that's interesting and plus the laundry was absolutely gorgeous it was absolutely gorgeous for super small chested women it's like i don't think we have this in the u.s like and it just made me kind of question like what was going on here and that was probably the first time i kind of noticed something that would seem like a flaw or defect in my sort of American culture where we're used to wonder unders, push up bras, you know, lift them up, squeeze Spanx. them together. <laughs> Thanks. And here in Paris, you know, you, you turn something that might be considered a flaw into like an asset to this, like, like, Oh, I can wear really cute shirts like this. And I could put on really cute lingerie like that. And I can wear really cute bikinis like this. Um, so I found that quite fascinating. Yeah. And then I remember I had a colleague who had, um, uh, a really crooked smile. Like in the U.S., that smile wouldn't have lasted past like age seven. I don't know how old uh, how old you have to be in order for dentists to start slapping braces on you, um, but that smile definitely would not have survived elementary school in the U.S. 
Um, and here she was, a grown woman in the workplace with bright red lipstick and this super crooked smile. And she was adorable, absolutely, absolutely adorable. So that made me realize, you know, something's going on here that we might be missing in the U.S. Have either of you noticed anything like that? Well, I do think that's true up to a point. Uh, I have noticed that in France, things that would be considered flaws uh, would be corrected with braces and surgery even. Like I knew a lot of women who had nose jobs uh, in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I don't see that as much here at all. People, if they have a crooked nose or a long nose, it's something that they even play up, you know, because it's, yeah. it's an individual style. Exactly. And people are... Cut or something that kind of plays it up or, or their glasses will kind of play it up. There's, so there's a little less of the cookie cutter more, and there's a more of a sense that people are want, want to play up their, their individual style and, and find what looks good for them. Uh, I won't say this goes towards everything though. Like you talked about the, the small bra cup sizes. And I, I think as someone who struggles with her weight and has quite a large chest size, you can't say the same for the other way. Uh, I don't mm. think that if you're a larger person or you have larger breasts that you have those same options. You can't go into a store and find clothes that just sublime your curves always. You know, it's uh, very true. <laughs> I have the same thing except for me it's like the jeans, it's the bottom. Like <laughs> my butt does not fit in these jeans at all. It's just never going to happen. So I, I do think that there's more of an emphasis on individuality in your look, which I like, but, you know, it's it only goes so far. Mm. Andy, where do you I fall? I know. I'm listening. I'm listening. It's fascinating. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I, the, the lingerie thing made me laugh, though, because I remember going with um, a French boyfriend. I needed a bra, and I, we were in the States. So I went to Macy's. This is in like 80... I don't know, 89, 1990. And, um, and he kept on walking and I was looking at the bras and he just like kept on walking away. And, and I, you know, I was searching, searching. And, uh, and he said, why are you looking at that? Let's get the young women's clothing. Where's, where's the young women's clothing? <laughs> and I was like, no, this is it. Like, and, and he was like, what this like lingerie is so hideous. It's, you know, for him, it was just like, you know, it wasn't for young women. It looked very almost surgical. <laughs> it wasn't Victoria's Secret so like yeah you have the the one end the very you know like hot kind of a Victoria's Secret look or then you have this the, the platex kind of uh you know thing but um hmm. so where do I uh hmm. I I um I do see what you guys are saying I can't I'm, I can't think of it perfect no example, so keep on <laughs> keep on going I'll catch up <laughs> I actually want to get back to something that Elizabeth was um, thinking about a bit earlier in terms of talking about flaws. So that, that's kind of the French approach that maybe they can look for this individual style. But what, what's been your sort of, as they would say in French, trajectory in terms of dealing with flaws? And how has that changed by moving here to France on a personal level? Well, I do think that I have more... Well, certainly when I was growing up in LA, there was a lot more pressure to conform, to, to look a certain way. And that way was very strict, you know, very thin, you know, tan, you know, dressed a certain way, you know, because you, people, TV was made there that people looked 
or wanted to look like the girls on TV. And I definitely felt a lot of freedom when I first moved to France because there was just so much more variety in body types as well. You know, it wasn't all about how thin you were. It was what, how much style that you had, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was very liberating for me. Uh, As I said before, I think that still, if you are perhaps maybe over a certain weight, they're they're not going to have very much that caters to you in Paris either, you know. That's the same as, I think as it's Los getting Angeles. Better though, isn't it? It's. Um, I. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I. Uh, I mean, I still can buy clothes when I go into a store. You know, uh, it's not that. But I think for for women who are really plus size, it's very difficult for them. You know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, these terms are so difficult to use, you know, what's plus size, what's not. But, you know, you go into a store, it's very difficult to find over, say, a 44, maybe. Yeah, that's, that's is, true. That's true. Which is what, like yeah. a 10? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. I, I, um, I'm like in between the two shops, right? The shop for uh, plus size and the, and the, the high end of what they would consider normal size. And, I must have like blindness uh, for like my self image. I I don't think that I'm you know Twiggy like I, I'm not Kate Moss. I'm, I <laughs> but I don't think of myself as plus size. I think of myself as like kind of average. And no, but you know when I go into a shop, I'm reminded that no, you're you're not. You're fat. Like that's what I that's what it feels like. You know, just like that. There's not. I'm not. This is not my place. And then I'll go into the plus size. And I'm, um, and they'll look at me like, "What are you doing here?" So um, I guess I'm on on the cusp. But I just well, like- I mean, I think it says more about the shop and the fashion industry than it does about us or women in general. Yeah. I mean, yeah. clearly, if so many people are are finding that same thing, uh, it's it's a problem uh, widely. Uh, and I don't know if the French, in terms of whether they consider body types quite strictly as flaws as in America. But mm-hmm. I would say that if you're, you know, in the margins, it, it, you're going to have the same difficulties. Yeah. Yep. yeah. It's interesting. I mean, Andy, you mentioned Kate Moss, um, you know, maybe we're talking about Kate Moss in her younger days, mm-hmm. but I think, um, you know, when I go into stores, I love the sales because during the sales, all of the, clothes that obviously haven't sold out during the season, which would be the 28s, the 30, you know, the really small sizes that of course the first one's off the rack during the sales, my size is totally available and it's, it's, it's at a great price. Um, and so I kind of enjoy that, um, sort of lack of clarity of market in terms of the French, uh, boutiques. Um, and you know, but hmm, I'm wondering if, you um, take the sort of dictates that the stores are dictating this like, Oh, you must be a size 28 to, to 34 or 40 or whatever. It depends on if you're, you're kind of going French or European sizes, you know, do you sort of take that to heart or you just say, you know what, I'm going to find what works for me. Um, no matter what the store, um, keeping in mind that some of the, um, I would say plus size stores here have some incredibly fashionable things. Yes. More so than maybe the plus size stores that I've seen in the US. That so. may be true. I, I do think that now that I'm older and you know, I've been dieting and exercising my whole life and I think that I have a pretty healthy lifestyle, I'm 
finally coming around to the realization that there's only so much that I can do to change my shape. My shape is my shape, you know, and I can certainly be healthy and eat healthy and exercise, but I'm not going to change it all that much. So now it is about, you know, coming to terms with it, you know, what I consider a flaw Maybe other people don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly what I wanted to say. Yeah. That that I think the 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 flaws reflect more the person seeing the flaw than mm-hmm. the person who's you know who who's carrying whatever perceived flaw the other person sees. You know, like one person might see a girl like you know with. I don't know, bowling pin legs, calves or something like that. And then somebody else is going to see her smile. You know, it just like, what, what is, I, I have a friend and once we saw this, we were sitting having a cafe and there was a, a woman who went by and she was incredibly thin. And my friend nudged me and said, look, and I went, oh! and she said, oh, could you imagine being that thin? What a dream. And for me, it wasn't a dream, you know, and it was just <laughs> interesting to me that, you know, for her, that was like the, the be all and end all. Um, and, and for me, it was shocking, you know? Um, so I, I think it's, um, teach his own, right? <laughs> teach his own. And I think, you I just think I'm coming around to the realization that my, my flaws are not so much physical, maybe as the, like the fact that I'm comparing myself all the time mm. to other women or, Right. Is the flaw, you know, right. it's not right. how much I weigh or what my Losing size is, but yeah. it, right. it is a but yeah. it's this constant feeling less than, you know, and how do you work on that flaw, that flaw, that, that, uh, instinct to always be comparing ourselves negatively to other people. Hmm. Very, very well put. Do you think that, um, French women kind of think like that too? Have they come to this realization as well, or and do you think you would have come to this realization if you were still living in in l a Probably not. I would still be trying to fit into the mold. Mm-hmm. yeah, I do think that maybe French women have have more of a sense that 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 they don't compare themselves as much to other women. I mean, they can be competitive in certain ways, let's be honest, but it's I think it is more about that they do have more of a sense of who they are as individuals and mm-hmm. and wanting to be the best that they can be and not comparing themselves so much to the next person. But I don't know. I'm not French. Yeah, so I, don't yeah I was going to say, I, I, I don't know either because I think you could argue the same thing for Americans, right? When you go... Um, or England, even, you know, you go there and there's just so much diversity and so, you know, many different ways to set your style. And uh, I think I said this in the last episode that there's a bit of um, our, um, uh, homogeny here mm-hmm. um, that you don't see in a lot of other places. And it, it can be very pleasant, you know, and also, you know, but it, but it also could be seen as monotony. But um, I think it's what I do uh, see here is a, 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 a yeah, they grasp for harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't really matter if you have a big nose. Uh, if you're, I don't know, balancing it out with something else. I am just looking, I think you, I, with age, I learned to look at the whole of me <laughs> instead of little parts, you know, it's a, breaking yourself into little segments. I think that might be from my art background too. You know, you, you start with the whole canvas. You don't start with, you know, drawing the lips and the, (laughs) you know, you get the whole thing down and then you, you go through and then you build and build and build. I think you could probably philosophize that about uh, self-image too. 
Ah, that's beautifully put. And I think you're you're exactly right. I mean, as we were saying last week, um, there is a sort of homogeny here and a uniformity to the way people dress and style themselves. And I think maybe it's the flaws that we give each individual woman their little pep, their little eye-catching element. Um, So in a way, that might be what is celebrated here. Like everybody can often have like a, a similar type of look and maybe it is indeed the flaws that make them stand out that make that canvas mm. a little bit special yeah mm. interesting interesting <laughs> all right something to think about so let's move on to perhaps our little bizu bizu segment our uh, sort of recommendations that we've gathered from living here in paris elizabeth well a th- New Year now officially in summertime, although it might not always feel that way. And so last weekend, we took a day trip out to Giverny. This yeah, is the, no, I didn't reach you and you were out. So this yeah. is the house and gardens where Monet lived and painted. And you can, they've been basically preserved uh, almost exactly how they it was uh, during his time. So you can sort of walk in his footsteps and see where he painted the famous uh, nymphea, the water lilies, and other parts of his garden. And it looks just like a Monet painting come to life. And it was a really wonderful way to sort of break our uh, monotony of the life we've gotten into here sort of during confinement or semi-confinement. Was it crowded? I know not, no, it wasn't too crowded. It really wasn't. And it was a beautiful day. And not everyone can obviously go to Giverny necessarily. If you're in the Paris area, you might be able to. But most towns or cities probably do have some kind of municipal gardens Mm. that you can tour and visit. And it's just, if you, especially if you're living in an apartment and don't have a garden of your own, it's just a wonderful way to get out into nature, feel uh, more uplifted by colors and normally shapes and, and plants and some butterflies maybe, things you don't see every day. And it's it's just a really great break. It seems like a little mini vacation. That's a great idea. Also mm. multi-generational, right? The kids, the grandparents, the aunts, the, everybody could, could go. My, my sister was a garden historian. So I know that um, oh, where, wow. where she worked, she... You know, she like they put a lot of work. Usually, these you know, it wasn't a municipal garden; it was a private home that shared their you know gardens. But there's usually someone on site that's very excited about what they've done. Who, who, uh, I guess it depends on where you are. But um, I think that's a yeah. Good. They'll explain to you what the plants or flowers are if you don't know names, like I never do. And yeah. uh, by the way, I brought her to Giverny, mm-hmm. and she was appalled. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so I'm in the middle of the the pathway, and I'm saying, "Oh, isn't this beautiful?" And she's like, "Are you kidding me?" And I was like, "What?" She's like, "This is not how it was when he was here." And I was like, "What?" She's like, "No, it's obvious." <laughs> you know, and I'm looking, and I, huh. I, 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 and so, so she's like, "No, those geraniums. That looks like the local garden club." I mean, she was so critical, and then we looked, we compared pictures in front of the house, of course, in the in the around the um, the ponds and everything. That mm-hmm. that is the same, but in the front, apparently it's not. And we compared the pictures and it, there were pretty big differences, but I, I'm incapable of telling you what it was, but it was just so funny. She really like punctured. Well, I my, guess she has a very critical eye. She's it a looks- very, <laughs> it's not, but no, it's gorgeous. I mean, you know, regardless whether it's historically accurate or not, it's a beautiful place. Yes, and I must um, absolutely agree. In fact, I'm tempted to change my little bizu bizu. Um, This morning, I was giving a lesson out in uh, the Luxembourg Gardens. 
And in the early mornings, the park is empty. It's absolutely beautiful. And I arrived early and I had a chance to, to really look at where they grow the fruit. And I love how like meticulous they are about protecting the pears and the apples. I didn't know that they grew oh, fruit there. Amazing. It just, it just makes you dream. Um, and um, I noticed they had this little kind of clay pot that was upside down and it was hooked to each of the vines. And and there was a gardener who was at work inside oh. and I stopped and I asked him. He was so helpful and so nice. Um, and so taking advantage of the gardens and these professional gardeners who work in them in Paris, I mean, these people are absolutely passionate about what yeah. they do. Um, that's a great bizu bizu. Mm. Do I think I've seen in Luxembourg Gardens? Don't they have um, fruit trees like pear trees that grow uh, uh, horizontal? Like they they yeah, they pin them exactly. down to wire, right? So they don't grow around in a circle. They grow left to right. Exactly, they grow almost like grapevines, um, and and they spread out. And they, I mean, but you, you absolutely, absolutely have to take advantage of these these really skilled gardeners here because I mean, it's it's a competitive job, um, and they they train uh, you know specifically for this sort of jobs, and they're, they're so so knowledgeable. So oh, the Serre d'Auteuil, the Serre d'Auteuil is beautiful too. I don't know. If you yeah, that's a very yeah. good place to go. Not many people know about it. Yeah, yeah, Paris Gardens. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. <laughs> it makes me want to go. Unfortunately, it's kind of dreary outside. Well, it might still be nice. <laughs> it is, but Andy, I think yeah. you have a bizu bizu forest that's also very Parisian. Yes. <laughs> um, so I um, don't do it enough, but I uh, sometimes you want champagne, you want to celebrate something, but maybe it's just you and a friend and you've got other things to do in the afternoon, so you don't want to go too crazy and open up a bottle of champagne and not drink the whole thing or I don't know. There's a million reasons why you don't want to drink a whole bottle of champagne. I don't. I can't think of any. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, as I'm thinking, <laughs> why don't I just grab the whole thing? Well, my point is, is that there's this, oh, I, okay. This is funny. Okay. So I uh, did improv and I, uh, we, d uh, we did some live shows and I was drawing. I wasn't acting, but I was drawing. And, um, and I, after doing about three or four shows, I started to get nervous. I started to get stage fights, something that I'd never experienced before. And, uh, you know, I tried breathing exercises. And then finally I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have a drink. <laughs> and I'm not a, like a huge drinker usually. And uh, anyway, so I I, um, I I love champagne and um, and I know what's going to do to my mind. You know, it's um, as, so anyway, I bought this pop. It's called, uh, uh, I guess, Pop Blue Pummery Champagne. And it's a little tiny, it's about as big as a Coke bottle. <laughs> and uh, you just put a straw in it and um, and you drink it like that. It's um, it's a lot of fun. I love to bring it to, you know, if I'm just going to go, I don't know, hey, to the park with my friend. <laughs> I can I bring a little this. bottle. Yeah, it's great for picnics. And um, there's just something kind of festive about it. And so I used to share it one little tiny bottle before the show with uh, a friend of mine who was active and uh, everyone else in the, in the show was, was completely sober except for the two of us had a little, <laughs> had a little hit before we started. <laughs> okay. So I think we need to put a little disclaimer on the show. It's not like we're advocating <laughs> before, you know, as a stage, right? but in Paris, a little pop blue does the trick. Hmm. <laughs> also made me want to sort of 
change my bizu bizu because most of this pop blue by Pomeray. Um, the Champagne region is not far at all from Paris. It's actually just a quick train ride. And when my mother comes, it's absolutely her best favorite little sort of side trip to take. Um, and Pomeray does a really, really nice Champagne tour. Hmm. Um, you can visit the calves. The calves are magnificent. Um, you can see the sort of collection of champagne bottles for different countries, um, for different uh, people who have kind of requ- kind of created their exclusive champagne um, sort of stockage. Mm. Um, and you can also get a tasting. And there's even uh, the tasting where they show you how you can use a sword and chop off the cork oh. and let the you out. Um, a and so saber, I'm, right? A saber. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the saber. I love it. So I'm going to change my Bizu Bizu this week and make mine uh, a recommendation for the Pomeroy Champagne Tour. Excellent idea. And plus now there's a a high-speed train that takes you to Champagne, I think in like 45 minutes. Oh, it's so quick. It's so cheap. You get off the train and you can take a taxi, you can take a bus, just get right up there to um, the Pomeroy building and it's it's really nice building um people are lovely and it's a great and plus you it's a nice way to get to sample um some of their different types of champagne um is that Epernay or Reims? it's Reims, right it's Reims. Yeah. yes yeah. so oh and then go. there's a beautiful oh. cathedral there too yes it is a really nice day trip yeah um and actually my mother found some very cute um plus size clothes there oh. <laughs> There and a nice little boutique woman was super helpful, and the, she's like she found this a just magnificent jacket. So, let's you oh, bring it all back around. <laughs> yeah, let's go on a field trip. <laughs> nice little trip. Well, great. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on flaws and how to flaunt them in Paris. Um, I hope everyone has enjoyed this week's show. If you have any tips or suggestions, please email us at prettypleaseparis at gmail.com. Be sure to tell your friends, rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and other such places. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Pretty Please Paris for pretty pictures, show notes, and more. Thanks for tuning in. I'll say goodbye now. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> See you next week. See you next week. Bizu bizu. Bye.